0: Uh, welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. Uh, glad uh, we can be together this morning on the second weekend of, of Advent. Uh, before we begin, uh, just a few announcements about some of the things happening in the life of the church. Uh, next Sunday is our Lessons and Carols Sunday. And one of the things uh, that that means is that afterwards we have a, like a soup lunch. And so please stick around. Uh, if you're interested in bringing something to that, uh, you can reach out to Nicole, I think her... Uh, information is here in the, the order. Uh, yeah, bring a soup, bring uh, uh, maybe a dessert, something, something to join together with. Also, uh, later that evening, uh, at 5 p.m., we're going to do some caroling in the, in the neighborhood. And so uh, I believe we're going to meet at the, uh, the office at 5. So let's join together there, and we'll go out into the neighborhood, have a good time, and then come back, and then there'll be a time of fellowship after that as well. I'm gonna invite Anna up. She's got an announcement for us.
1: Good morning. Um, this Advent season, Lincoln Square is partnering with True Light Childcare Project to help provide shoes and clothing for children in need in Ethiopia. We've done this many years now, but I'll just give you a brief explanation. On the back um, is a tree that have ornaments with kids' pictures on it. If you're interested in um, giving $50, that will provide shoes for one of the children in the project. Um, for every child that the congregation sponsors, the mission team is going to match that and provide the $50 for the clothing. So I will be in the back after the service if you have any questions. And I can give you more information then. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Eva. Well, as we prepare for worship this morning, let's just take a moment of pause and reflection.
2: Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 85. Stand, we'll join and sing.
0: Forever, Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation.
3: Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation.
0: Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good.
3: Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your... He has seen His name
4: This week we light the second Advent candle. This is the Bethlehem candle and it bears witness to the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. It reminds us of the peace he brings to us. Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of
2: his holy prophets from of old.
4: And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace.
1: We light this candle, the peace that Jesus our Savior gives to the world. Come then, Lord Jesus.
0: Let's pray together. Gracious God, we uh, we join Elizabeth and we cry out in wonder, how can this be that the Lord has come to us? Lord, you've poured out your generosity, your grace. May this good news of our Savior come, may it not wash over us. May it find us in those familiar places among those we love and care about Our places of work may be present even in the unexpected and the difficult among those we find it difficult to even love. And so, Lord, we we turn our hearts to you, we ask that you would meet us however we come this morning, some of us fully aware of the anxious turn of the heart, the pressures we are under, of of the ways we can feel alone and overwhelmed. Meet those of us afraid to slow down or those of us that can check out. And Father, as we celebrate, as we lean into the grace of Christ's rescue, Lord, we know we are also a people who cling in faith, who long for and await your second coming to make all things new. So Father, we ask that by your spirit that you would make yourself known to us this morning. Meet all of us and show us the grace of Jesus. Change us by it, we pray in his name. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Well, in our prompt this morning, there's a little inserts before we even begin, before our first uh, call to worship, and in that invitation, there's a, there's, a, there's a line, and it talks about that part of the invitation of Advent is to, in, in essence, to, to face the darkness, and so part of that is the darkness that we see around us, that we experience in the fallen world that we are, but also the darkness that resides in us, So as we come to our time of confession let's hold that as we anticipate the mercy of god that is to come we'll do this together uh, as a a church and have a time of personal quiet confession the word of the lord comes to call us to repentance make the crooked straight the mountains low and the valleys high we confess our sins to you lord that we may know the forgiveness and the refining work of your spirit loving god all our righteous deeds are like grease stained rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Lord, we are your people. Please look and do not remember our sins forever.
3: Little mortal flesh keeps silent feel
0: take a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we we confess that we are people who have traveled in darkness and who struggle to walk in light. But Father, we give thanks that when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive in the redeeming work of Christ. And we give thanks and and rest in his name. Amen. Well, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Luke's Gospel chapter 1. Let's join together for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let's take a moment to welcome one another in the name of Christ.
3: The redeemed of the Lord shall return with singing, the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and all sorrow and sigh. Though the desert surrounds this weary land, and my longing soul cries out, Though the wilderness seems unending here, all God's people will rise and shout the say
1: Good morning. The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in a desert a highway for our God, every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough plains a plain, the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass weathers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass weathers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, Behold God the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young with are with young
2: The New Testament lesson is 2 Peter 3:8 through 15 But do not overlook this one fact beloved What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening for the day of the coming of the Lord? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. This is the word of the Lord.
4: Thank you, Thomas and Rebecca, for reading God's word. It's good to be with you this morning. And it is that time of year again. It's that time of year. Maybe just those words, that phrase, (laughs) can trigger something in you. Maybe you know, uh, a fountains of delight or the opposite, right? Uh, Some onset of panic and anxiety. I don't know, maybe it's a bit of both. I imagine for many of us, and that's why I wanted to offer my time this morning to just lead us in some mindfulness breathing exercises, okay? (laughs) Thank you for laughing. Uh, But Brian told me that I'm not allowed to do that, I should just give the sermon instead. So thanks, Brian. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm just kidding. But it is is a good idea to stop and think about how we use these weeks before Christmas. I mean, Chad told us last week that this time in the church calendar called Advent, which just means arrival or coming, is the time of preparation. He talked about Advent um, being this kind of in-between space where we're anticipating Christmas, and we're offering ourselves a little bit of room to... Slow down and reflect. That's hard to do through the week. So let's try and do that here, the little bit of time that we have together. Because it is worth slowing down and reflecting and, and reacquainting with ourselves with, um, you know, Chad talked about the, the deeper longings of our lives. For instance, did you hear what was just read? Things can get so busy and frenetic and we kind of go on autopilot in this time of year and we miss out on some of the most amazing things that God's word has to tell us. You know, it's on the threshold of imminent destruction, of great sorrow, that these words of Isaiah that Rebecca just read for us are announced. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And what comfort does God have for them? He tells the prophet, grab their attention. Tell them that their conflicts will end, that there's pardon for all their wrongs. In essence, tell them that they've been punished enough. That is a good word. Wow, did you guys know this stuff was in there? Sometimes it's so great to be reminded. I think an urgent and uplifting message like that is one that should not be missed. But of course, it's not just the busyness of these days that prevent us from hearing it. We need a word of comfort because at this particular time of year, it seems all the discomfort begins to surface. The pains that we, that we try and carry just feel a little more acute in the days leading up to Christmas. The unwelcome changes in our lives become more obvious. The absences and the losses become unavoidable. The strained and the tense relationships seem to take center stage. And the things done and the things left undone become all too apparent. But when it feels like the discomfort and the pain might just swallow you up, that's when God draws near. His word of promise descends into the midst of sorrow and despair and brokenness. And comes to stand beside us and give us comfort. That is what Advent is all about. The waiting and the longing, as the song says, prepares him room. So in this time of waiting, we try to remember. We try to remind ourselves. We sing songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel that repeat the old, old story We recall all those who spent their days waiting for the Lord. You see, when it it seems to take too long, and it seems like the people have forgotten God's promise, he sends them a new messenger, a new messenger with a fresh message. And this happens over and over and over throughout the story. We can think of folks like Samuel or Elijah or Isaiah and the new messenger that we meet in our passage this morning, John the Baptizer. So let me, let me read our passage for us. You can follow along in your order of worship or in your Bible. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I am, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is God's word given for our good. Now, John's striking appearance and his, his kind of extreme demeanor, as Mark describes it, seemed to be very effective, right? Mark reports with a little bit of hyperbole that all of Judea and all of Jerusalem are going out to hear him. Now, whatever the actual number might have been, it was a significant enough movement to get the attention of, you know, the local authorities and even be documented in historical records outside of the Bible. At the same time, though, I wonder if I'm not alone in feeling a little bit of irony around the fact that John has gathered such crowds to tell them, in essence, I'm not the one you're waiting for. It just seems like a really striking contrast to me. I wonder how the people would have felt in hearing that, having gone out into the wilderness to see him. What would they think about that? What would their neighbors say that they left behind? There is, I think, a really important detail that that the writer emphasizes here in our passage that can maybe help us understand a little bit better what's going on. I think the first significant question we got to ask about this passage is it about John's location. In other words, why the wilderness? What does it mean that all this was taking place out in the wilderness? That's the first question. The second question, what might all this say to us? Or how is you know, our preparation, both like and unlike what John is calling for from his hearers? So let's look at this first question, why the wilderness? Now, Mark makes it clear that the location of John's ministry says a lot about his role in fulfilling this particular prophecy. He quotes Isaiah in on this like very point of wilderness location to make clear that John is that voice crying in the wilderness literally. So while we can be sure that John is a very charismatic figure and Attention-grabbing, certainly. I don't think that is the only thing drawing these crowds. I mean, think about what he's telling them. What does, he, what does John have to say when they get out into the wilderness to hear him preach? He says, repent. Repent for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I imagine that wasn't a popular message in John's day any more than it is in ours. And in fact, I mean, if you look at the Gospel of Luke, the way Luke tells the story, <laughs> Luke emphasizes the apocalyptic nature of John's message, all the more. And in Luke's Gospel, that tone is really emphasized by John naming names. <laughs> he gives specific instructions and targets his message at elites. Elites like the religious leaders and tax collectors and even soldiers. So it was an intense and demanding message that John is giving. So anyone that would be willing to venture out into the wilderness to seek out this message and this messenger is probably someone who already feels like they're in the wilderness. That is the wilderness of despair and disappointment, of shame and of guilt, of sorrow and regret. Such people have come to the end of themselves. They recognize that they are, in fact, facing a spiritual wilderness from which they cannot reconcile or rescue or restore themselves. And perhaps in their desperation, they go back to the book and they recall words like these from the prophet Isaiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom abundantly. Those lines are from the song that Nathan just led us in a few minutes ago, The Redeemed of the Lord. Or in another place, Isaiah says, for the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted until the spirit is poured upon us from high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful land. I think the people know that God is up to something out there in the wilderness. They remember from the stories of their ancestors that the wilderness is God's chosen venue for transformation. It's the place of testing, yeah, definitely, but it's also the place of redemption. And this is how John prepares the way. He's directing the people to the old, old promises of God's redemption, telling them, In essence, God has not forgotten you. Remember what he did in the wilderness? He's going to do it again. And in in an um, unimaginably more wonderful way. Reminding them of that promise is why Jesus calls him the greatest of the prophets. Of course, not only does this wilderness place have a spiritual resonance but also a historic significance. Think about it. When was the last time God's people were gathered on the banks of the Jordan River? Hmm. For any of them, their memory stirs back to the time of Joshua leading the people into the promised land. Those, Those resonances are not lost on them. So could it be that the people have gone out to hear John's message, have confessed their sins, have been baptized, and are going back home wondering and watching for and waiting upon some kind of new deliverance that's both like and unlike the exodus of their people? That's what I wonder. But in light of that, what's What does that mean for us? So our second question, what does our preparation need to look like? And just to be honest, I think we've got to acknowledge that our preparation is both like what John is calling for and unlike what John is talking about. And what do I mean by that? First, I mean the wilderness is for us too. The wilderness is for us too. To some degree, we must all accept it. And I don't mean that we're invited to leave our homes and and move out to the desert and eat uh, locusts and wild honey. Although that could be like a new evolution of the keto diet. I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the wilderness in that way. I'm talking about it as a place of spiritual resolve. It's that come-to-Jesus place as God uses it. In a very real sense, what we do every time we gather is acknowledge the way that God can use the wilderness in our lives. It's very much like what John is calling the people to at the Jordan when we come together and we speak out the words of our confession, our corporate confession of sin, That's wilderness stuff. When we say these words speak something true about me and about us, we're stepping out into that place to meet with God and be reconciled with him. It's the same as when we gather around this table and receive the bread and the cup. That's wilderness-type stuff when we acknowledge our need and come with empty hands, we're abandoning ourselves to the mercy of God. That's what we do when we, when we pledge our children to the Lord in the waters of baptism. When we surrender them to the Lord because we acknowledge that we can no more save them than we can save ourselves, we're stepping into the wilderness. now nobody likes the wilderness i just have to acknowledge that it's not something that we enjoy that's not what i'm saying it's it is wilderness it's harsh and 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 difficult and challenging but in god's ways it's also transitional and transformative So all I'm saying is let's give wilderness a chance. Don't despise the wildernesses of your own life. If you feel yourself coming to the end of your resources, if you feel the unbearable weight of how you've let yourself down and how you've let others down and how you've let the Lord down, you're in the wilderness, and God has a special word of comfort for you. You see, he's not interested in comforting the the folks that are already comfortable. (laughs) You can't offer peace to folks that are just satisfied. This is the way in which we're no different than from the crowds that flock to John. The Lord's comfort is only for those who need it. But there's another way in which we are unlike them. John's baptism was a a form of renewal through conviction. It's a wake-up call to the need for forgiveness and the demands of repentance. Jesus' baptism with the Holy Spirit, however, is different. It surpasses the baptism of John. It goes beyond it. It completes what began in that conviction of sin and that need for repentance. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the filling and the forming and the reforming of us from the inside out with the mercy and patience and grace of God. Only Jesus can do this. We can't baptize ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And it's an ongoing process, something that's unfolding over all the seasons of our lives. It's it's moving forward and progressing in those monumental moments where the light bulb goes off and, and, and dramatic change unfolds. But it's also moving forward and progressing in the many, many, many moments of just faithfully showing up. If it seems slow, if it feels like it's taking too long, I want you to know that you're in good company. The recipients of the letter uh, that Thomas just read to us from, those folks had the same worry. They didn't know what to do with the fact that Jesus had not come back yet, that his return was not coming more quickly. And this and in and, and any sense of completion felt a long, long way off. And you know, they had good reason for feeling that way and anticipating Jesus' second advent so much. Because they were facing all kinds of persecution from their families and from their neighbors. And I'm talking about real persecution, the kind of that looks like desertion and revilement and victimization and economic hardship that life was just really really hard for them and that's why they were focused on when is jesus coming back and it's to these desperate folks that that peter offers the gentle reminder that the lord had been so patient with them and in light of that patient patience they might come to embrace the delay as Peter says and count the patience of the Lord as salvation for those who haven't heard yet. Now admittedly such patience will make us weird. (laughs) Now maybe not weird like Wearing camel hair and eating wild honey and locusts in the desert. But definitely not normal. <laughs> A bit out of place in this world. Embracing holiness, but willing to be reviled by others. Staying diligent to please God, but making every effort To live at peace with our neighbors. Not everyone's going to understand that. It will sound strange to some ears. A lot like a desert in full bloom. A lot like fruitful fields in the wilderness. But stranger things have happened. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are worth waiting for. And your purpose for our lives is worth waiting for. You have told us that every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. Let it be, let it be according to your mercy and grace. Grant us your patience, O Lord, as we await that day. We ask it all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.
3: Please stand and we'll respond with singing. Who is this, so weak and helpless, child of love? turn day in a manger lay tis the
0: God, you are at work to restore all of creation in its intended harmony. In a world where peace seems to be so far away, grant us faith in you and perseverance to walk in the paths of peace.
3: The tender mercy of our God has come down from Guiding our feet in peace. The ten
0: passage, it reminds us that the, the Son of God has come to make all things new, right? That in His coming, justice and peace will reign down. And as we hear that bright, uh, that the sort of the glorious and full promise, our world groans, right, with the reality that, that all is not as it, as it should be. And this table, it reminds us that the Son of Man who is to come, is also the Son of God who has come. He came to us to enter into our trouble, to, to more than that, to, to take our trouble upon himself through his broken body and to shed blood. And here's the good news, that Jesus is always coming afresh to those who are following him by faith. Jesus, he's always coming to us through his word, uh, through prayer, He's coming to us when we worship together, even this morning, and He's coming to us at this table through these sacraments. He's bound Himself to us by His self-giving love, and that kind of love, that perfect love, that brings nourishment, it feeds our life of faith. And so if we believe that, if we have in repentance and faith turned to Christ, then come and eat and be filled up. Father, we... Thank you for this table. We pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one, that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and wine. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you're here to take, come to take, to receive the elements this morning, I invite you to come down the center, the center row. uh, To receive both of them and to, to hold on to them until you return to your seats that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not coming this morning for communion, uh, you're welcome to still come forward. Just put your arm across your chest. Um, I'm happy to offer a prayer blessing for you. Uh, Those who are serving may now come forward as we come to the table. eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all our sins. Let us drink in faith. As we respond to the table, let's stand together for our time of uh, song and responsive prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the one who brings good news to the oppressed, who binds up the brokenhearted, proclaims liberty to captives and release to prisoners. You are the one who comforts all those who mourn. Help us to rejoice and hold fast to what is good. Help us to live as witnesses of your light, which has broken into this world.
3: Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it child, o depths of the earth, break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has redeemed his people.
0: continue our worship through a time of giving uh, to our good gifts to God. If you'll notice there's a pad under the seat that is closest to the center aisle. If you'd uh, fill that out and pass it down your row, love to have a record of your visit. Uh, if you're new with us today, I uh, just want to welcome you. I'm glad you've joined us for worship. Please uh, just please please make a note to fill that out. We'd love to follow up with you and just connect with you uh, later in, in this week. Um Additionally, I just want to remind everyone that after the service, we'll have a time of fellowship. we will be bagels and coffee like we, we typically do, and it's going to be in the hallway behind me. Uh, as well uh, as, remember, next week we're going to have our Lessons in Carol service. Please make a note of that, and we're going to have a, a soup dinner with, you can bring either soup or bread or dessert with that. So please, uh, uh, please be aware of that. Um, I'm going to invite Rob up for an announcement for us, too, as well.
5: I'm just going to give a quick announcement on behalf of the elders and the uh, finance team. Uh, as you know, Will gave an announcement last week about year-end giving, and uh, just another reminder uh, for you that uh, it's it's available and needed for you to think about year-end giving to LSPC, and, and Will mentioned that we know you guys are probably getting inundated with requests and asks from various organizations and people during this time of year, and our intention is not to heap more burden on you, but it's just to remind you uh, how vital and important you are to the life of this church uh, in your generosity. So not only you know, is year end, uh, the way our budget year works is after year end, we, we have budget meetings for the following year. So it's important for us to know where we stand uh, during those meetings, um, but also it's just... It's super important to continue what God is doing through this church, uh, through your generosity. We would like to continue being a place where people come to know Christ and uh, are made new, and we would like to do that to the fullest extent possible, and we need we need funding to do that. So uh, I'd invite you just to think about uh, your year-end giving and to think about uh, Lincoln Square Presbyterian uh, as you're making your year-end uh, decisions. So. Um, We have a special fund. There's also just the general giving page. But on the last page of your order of worship, uh, there's information uh, where you can go to give towards your end giving. And uh, again, we'd love for you to consider giving to Lincoln Square Presbyterian. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Rob. Uh, Let's continue in worship through the giving of our gifts and offerings.
3: Stand for the singing of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here. Our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy! Oh, tidings of comfort and joy! From God our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. Unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Fear not, then said the angel let nothing you affright.' It is the donor savior of our pure virgin bright To free all those entrusted him from Satan's power and might Oh tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy O oh, tidings of comfort and joy Now to the Lord sing praises all you within this place And with true love and gentleness each other now embrace This holy tide of Christmas all others doth deface Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and
0: receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Go in peace.